There's new details about upcoming Marvel TV shows, Ryan Reynolds claps back at Deadpool 3 leaks, and the Golden Globe nominees are starting to pile up. All of that and more on this week's Multiverse News. Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for information on all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and we've got a great panel today. We have Jay Scotty St. Clair from Animation Liberation. What's going on, Jay Scotty? Hey, hey, happy to be here and uh, excited to dive into the week of news we got here. Yeah, man, always great to have you. And Jay Sisson from Commute the Podcast. Yeah, uh, happy to be here. Another week of multiverse news, getting closer to Christmas. A lot of things are happening, but uh, always good to have that Tuesday consistency. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And for the first time here on Multiverse News, we have another Animation Deliberation host, Andrew Rogers. What's going on, Andrew? Uh, Not too much. I was so happy to get the call. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great time to be a fan of everything in the multiverse, so I'm so happy to be here and be a part of this. Yeah, it really, really is. It's a it's a wild time, especially with all these strikes ending. The news is just coming fast, and uh, we we've never really run this show without the news, without the strikes. So we're not sure. We're still like getting a feel for if it's going to slow down or is this just like the new pace? Because it's been crazy these last few weeks. Well, now we're in the holiday season too. Like Thanksgiving and Christmas, like Hollywood's slowing down a little bit. It's gonna do. It's gonna slow down even more probably next week. So I'd say we probably won't mm-hmm. even see a lot of ramp up until after everybody comes back from the holidays. That's where you'll see things getting announced and casting and all of that probably. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll probably we'll have to discuss whether we're even gonna do, uh, especially like the week of Christmas. I feel like the week of Thanksgiving was so dead that uh, we. We talked about even skipping that week, but you guys soldiered on. But we may we may want to just plan a skip the week after Christmas because it seems like uh, oh, I, I, seems like this holiday. Jay was just speaking to the consistency. I'd hate to miss a week. Maybe we just like pre-record <laughs> something. True. Like I'm thinking like top ten movies of the year, possibly. Ooh, Could I like fun. it. Ooh, just saying. Yeah. Just saying. I like that too. I like that too. All right. Well, let's get into the news that we have here for this week. In a surprising move to keep us on our toes, at the premiere of Season 2 of What If, Marvel Studios recently announced a Black Panther spinoff show called Eyes of Wakanda, which will premiere next year on Disney+. Plus. If the news from Wakanda wasn't exciting enough to fans, those who attended the premiere also received the privilege of sneak peeks for X-Men 97 and Spider-Man Freshman Year, which has been renamed to Your Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. Plus, the studio confirmed a third season of What If in the works. Do these announcements resurrect excitement for Marvel Studios projects? Well, I mean, the answer has to be yes. Uh, I mean, especially from the animated side of things to know that they said, oh, well, we can't have a bunch of movies next year. Let's just give like three, four animated shows like upcoming out of nowhere. This is like the pinnacle of Marvel making great announcements, especially Mm -hmm. for someone who wants to see like something every month, every other month, be it TV, be it movie, just like there's still going to be so much content next year, even with the strikes ending. And I think that's like, how could you not be excited for more? Yeah. I'll follow up on these statements and and say like, I think people kind of forget 
how much of an impact like the animated side of Marvel had on like the success of the the Marvel movies that we're seeing today. Like, um, you know, speaking for myself, and I think I can safely speak for uh, many of the people in my generation, like, you know, growing up on Fox Kids, seeing that Spider-Man animated series, the X-Men animated series, like that's why X-Men 97 is like, you know, kind of the standout for me. We've known it's been in the works for a really long time, but I think Marvel Studios is kind of doubling down on how important this this series is going to be. Like we just got spoilers for the Marvels, but we did get a, the tease of a a character from the X-Men at the end of the Marvels that seemed to be very true to his, you know, animated car, ca- his animated counterpoint there or counterpart rather. So, uh I I suspect that more and more uh it's going to behoove fans to be more and more familiar with the X-Men animated series and X-Men 97. Outside of that, um, I do, I, I, I am pretty excited for the eyes of Wakanda, just the, the title there, the eyes, it kind of reminds me of star Wars visions. So Wakanda is one of those, you know, parts of the Marvel world that we've gotten to see a fair amount of, but it's steeped in like this, like just style of like Afrofuturism. So getting to see that with like an animated bend on it, I think would be really cool. And again, comparing it to star Wars visions, if there's an opportunity to introduce, some different art styles. I, I think it could be really cool. Like the article um, in question here had some concept art from Ultimate Black Panther 3, which looked really cool. So yeah, uh, don't count animation out. There may be not much live action Marvel content coming, but animation's where it's at, and uh, it's a good time to be a fan of animated content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this year Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man 1 is intriguing because the Spider-Man Freshman Year series was announced really right whenever all of this stuff was being announced, right after Endgame. It was in that crop of huge announcements. I think it was even in the middle of one of those big Marvel Studios presentations where they were announcing you know, Fantastic Four and all this type of big stuff, and then they threw in this Spider-Man animated series, and everybody was like, wait a minute, so what is this? And the impression that I got at the beginning, I think everybody got, was that it was going to be an MCU canon, it was going to be Tom Holland's Spider-Man, voiced by someone else, but it was going to be focused on his rise of like getting the powers and then experimenting with them and filling in that time that we didn't get uh, with that character. We just sort of dove right into Spider-Man and the MCU, right? And so that was the pitch, but then we just kind of went dark, right? I mean, we didn't hear anything about that. There was no updates about it. And then all of a sudden we got another update on it that it was happening, but it was not MCU, that it was a mm-hmm. different thing. It was a different Spider-Man and it was very confusing. Like it was like, yeah. there's, there's Daredevil in it and there's the, and it's all this stuff, but it's not MCU. It's just Spider-Man and people had more questions than anything. And so now to come back around and say, actually, this has been in the works the whole time and it's happening next year. It just raises a lot of questions. Like, where what is it is is it marvel studio i mean it is marvel studios obviously but like is it mcu is it not and um fans want answers to those questions obviously but uh that's intriguing that's an interesting uh, idea for a for a series it allows you to explore all the obscure weird characters that you want to explore um, i'm excited for that i did read that the synopsis the rough synopsis that they gave for the eyes of wakanda is that it'll follow um sort of like a Dora Milaje type group that tries to obtain uh, vibranium artifacts that have been lost in the world. So they're like tasked Mm. with these missions of tracking down these objects and it'll tell these uh, stories within that world, which I think is really cool. Really intriguing. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. What surprised me most is just how soon it seems like these are coming. Um, I knew we knew X-Men 97 um, and uh, I'm just excited to hear that they're like, got all these things in the works. Uh, Possibly uh, you said, um, 
Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man is is next is twenty twenty four. When you say yeah, next yes. year, yeah, that's what they said. Yeah, that's great because we did not know that as of a couple weeks ago. So uh, when they announced what their slate that we knew was coming, that's really really exciting. And yeah, I, I, I mirroring what you were saying, Jay. There was some real confusion. We did some news stories about this. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was on this show or if it was before the show existed, but they, they were talking about how it was freshman year. It was MCU. But also, they were talking about how there would be like 20 different suits involved. And I was like, wait, like those things don't line up. If it's MCU and he's a freshman, he won't have any, like he'll just have his like, you know, uh, uh, sweatsuit suit or whatever. Like I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I don't know what's going on. Um, There were just like different things coming out that didn't all line up together. So I'm glad to hear that it's not freshman year anymore. It's just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and uh, they can kind of go anywhere with that. We often forget how many Spider-Man animated properties exist. <laughs> there are several, yes. and they're running currently, and they're done, and there's more in production. So mm-hmm. to throw another one in, it's not surprising. I mean, he's probably the most popular character in the world. So if you're going to make a series and it's not MCU, it's it's still going to be popular. People are still going to watch it. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I think this is probably just a bigger deal because this is the first one that's not like a Disney Channel exclusive. So many of the other ones were meant to be more tailored toward kids with like the amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man Ultimate that came out. They were all on Disney Channel. They were all much more Monster of the Week. So it feels like with them announcing this in the Marvel slate, it's like, we're going to put in the effort. We're going to write this out. We're really going to flush out what Spider-Man can be to the fans and give them something better because like, it doesn't matter what form it is, animated, live action. We just want more Spider-Man. We want more content. So I think it's good. And there was mention in one of the articles that they showed a little bit of art from all of these shows. And it seems like they're trying to follow along with the what-if art style, which I think is a mm. very interesting choice, especially considering X-Men 97 had a previous, or X-Men 92 that this is following, uh, had a very distinct art style. So they're kind of keeping with this cel-shaded style, maybe going to throw some filters on top of it, but it looks interesting and at the very least sounds beautiful from some of the people that got to see, um, even any of the art that they put out because yeah, Eyes of Wakanda, I think is the biggest wild card that we didn't even know. They're playing it really close to the chest when it comes to this animation. So I'm curious to know when or if we're even going to get a trailer, if this is all just going to appear like I am Groot did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Ahead of the highly anticipated third installment in Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool series, set photos are being shared with abandon as drone shots show off more of the movie than the star wants. Reynolds took to Instagram for a global plea that requested the leaks stop, saying... Surprises are part of the magic of theatrical movies, and citing the leaks as a difficult situation. Reynolds' post finished with him mentioning that spoilers occur when fans are excited and talking of his enjoyment about making this movie. Is there any way to keep overexcited fans from ruining a good thing? I think if anyone can have an effect on the industry here, it is Ryan Reynolds. I think he has opened up a lot of conversations with this post on the nature of reporting and media and spoilers and trying to ruin uh, information that's put out into a movie through set photos or script leaks or anything like that. Is We reached a really weird point with this after Avengers Endgame where it became 
so fanatical, especially on Twitter. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home to me was the peak of that, where there was just such an obsession on oh, leaking yeah. Spider-Man No Way Home. And I, th- I reflect on my experience watching that movie and knowing that Andrew Garfield was going to show up beforehand and knowing that Tobey Maguire was going to show up beforehand and thinking about what it would have been like to have not known that and to have been in the theater and how much better of an experience that would have been. And I think people who see movies for the most part and are fans echo that like most people knew what was going to happen. It wasn't a surprise if you were in any way plugged into this world. And so I think like when I'm thinking about the future and what this looks like, I think what Ryan Reynolds is trying to say is that the less attention we pay to it, the less attention it will get. The reason that it's reported now is because it does get a lot of attention uh, whenever leaks are out there. Uh, you know, we try on this show to, to be as we don't report on leaks. We try to we report on rumors, but we always try to make sure that they're not spoiler laden. But other there's sites out there that that's what their whole site runs through. It runs through leaks. It runs through set photos and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to, I went in and did some research on uh, telephoto lenses. Cause I was like, how far can these things even go? Because Marvel studios has got to have like some serious security and it's really shocking. Like I didn't realize that these things can essentially shoot images from kilometers away. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, it's just created this whole new world that we're in where uh, this is, this is life, I guess, uh, if we're going to pay attention to it. They even have things called telescopes, Jay, that can yeah. go even further. Yeah, like, it's, it's <laughs> wild. I, I spent probably 30 minutes. I just Googled, like, how far can a telephoto lens see? And I was like, wait, <laughs> but what about this? And I was just kept reading and reading. Was, was, uh, I was shocked by it uh, by the end. But I do think overall, um, Ryan Reynolds, he's so good at handling the media and marketing. Because I don't know if you saw what he did after he made this post. He started flooding all of these images onto the internet of fake Deadpool set photos. And they're mm-hmm. hilarious. It's mm-hmm. like him with Batman and like him with like Superman and him with like yep. Big Bird and like all this stuff, just like random characters that are photoshopped in. Of course, people picked these up and reported on them, and all of the attention shifted away from these leaked set photos and they shifted to this really hilarious publicity stunt and focused on Reynolds and just like the, what he's trying to say. So that's what I mean by like, if anyone can change the conversation, Reynolds can, but I do hope just as a, society, you know, uh, that we've reexamined this a little bit uh, about leaks and our passion for knowing things before the movie happens. And if, if we do want to know these things, that that's okay, but we don't push them so far out into the public conversation that everybody has to know about them and you can't escape them. So there's such a conversation there that I think has been opened up. Um, but man, I, I hope, man, I hope we can just get this movie rolling without, without as much leaking going on. I, I want to be surprised again at the movies. I'm really glad. I I was one of the people who did not see the actual leaks. I did. I mean, I saw the uh, photoshopped versions that Ryan Reynolds was passing around. So I really like the fact that like that was really smart because I saw those everywhere. And then even if I might have scrolled past the real ones, there were so many other ones that I didn't even pay attention. And I intentionally didn't look closely to see which ones looked photoshopped and which ones didn't. I don't want to know. So I just kept, uh, kept going. And I had a kind of similar experience with, um, no way home, which you mentioned. Uh, I was pretty sure at least one of them would show up, but I stayed away from any of the actual leaks, you know, like, so I just knew that it was very possible but that's all I knew. So when it happened, I got to be a little surprised and that felt really good. Yeah. I think no way home is a perfect example because there's 
actually two examples in that movie that so many of us knew that Andrew and Toby were probably going to show up. But I remember my theater going wild when you saw Daredevil pop up on screen because no one was expecting that to be a reveal Mm. that wasn't leaked anywhere. That was just a hidden little thing. So to have that be a perfect example of, oh, we lose our minds more at that than the Spider-Man because we kind of knew they were coming. Instead, having these surprises should kind of teach people, hey, remember that feeling. Remember how interesting it gets to be. Um, but I think there is also another part of this conversation outside of just leaks. It's also, um, ties into the special effects and the conversation that Ryan Reynolds also brought up that he wants this movie to be shot on real sets in a live action format with, you know, getting that actual gravity of having them on the side of a mountain or in, you know, these wide open settings where they can get natural lighting on the beautiful costumes that they're doing. So he doesn't want to hide it in a, you know, blue screen set, which is how we avoid a lot of the leaks. So I think it's also a big part of the conversation that people are going to complain about CGI or having these backdrops that don't feel real. The best way to fix that is to go back to, you know, real sets shooting on location, but we have to then you know, deal with leaks or paparazzi being around. So there is a balance that has to be struck. And again, people just have to, like you said, uh, Jay, you put it great, stop caring about the leaks and the leaks will stop happening. And we get to go back to enjoying these movies and having these moments in the theater that are just stupendous in every way. Yeah. I come away from this being just really impressed with Ryan Reynolds. Like I, I think more so than a lot of actors working today. Like he just has this ability to really have his finger on the pulse when it comes to like what the fans want and what the internet culture is. And, you know, I I could see like any other actor really like throwing a hissy fit about like leaks and stuff like that and it playing really poorly. But Ryan Reynolds, like he has this ability just to retain his likability and kind of diffuse the situation right there and play into it. And I got a lot of respect for him for kind of owning that. The only reason that 2016 film with Tim Miller got made is because he intentionally leaked, you know, test footage of him in the mm-hmm. suit and testing some special effects and seeing that people re- really wanted it. So he's really, really impressive in his ability to um, just kind of like tap into what's going on and navigate it very smoothly. And if you want to argue like his his talent, I do think he's kind of one note as an actor, but he's a really smart guy, obviously, in terms of like business and choosing the roles. Like I think he's perfectly cast as Deadpool and you see what he's doing over there with his advertising on Mint Mobile. Like he's been popping up all the time for me. And, um, you know, it's it's just pretty impressive. And for all of the characters to make the transition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think this is just one of those castings that like, we could not have afforded to lose. So I'm glad that uh, uh, you know we've seen high-profile casting go in both directions and not work out, but it seems like Ryan Reynolds is in it to win it. And uh, he's a guy I can root for, and it makes me excited to to see it. And I, I I absolutely loved the heyday that the internet had with like inserting the Predator and all these, you know, all these other characters. And uh, it's like, my favorite meme, like I hope Deadpool three lives up to my expectations and it's my expectation. It's like every single character that possibly could appear on screen is showing up. Dang it, Scotty. I thought the predator one was real. (laughs) Sorry. You've ruined my day. He's going to be in there. He's just going to be invisible. Ah. (laughs) Yeah. Predators in every movie, actually. Yes. (laughs) The 2024 Golden Globe nominations are in, and the leaders will surprise nobody. With Barbie and Succession topping the boards with nine nominations each, 
Other buzzworthy films and shows with many chances to sweep awards are Oppenheimer, The Bear, Killers of the Flower Moon, Only Murders in the Building, Poor Things, and The Crown. Some noted projects that did not garner any noms are Napoleon, Ferrari, Origin, and Swarm. Next year's awards show will premiere two new categories, Best Cinematic and Box Office Achievement, and Best performance in stand-up comedy show for television. This year's Golden Globes will be the first held without the oversight of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which has opened the voting opportunities to a more ethnically and racially diverse group made up of 300 journalists from 76 different countries. Will the hype of this year's projects lead to hype for the awards ceremony itself? So this is a pretty interesting year for the Golden Globes. You know, um, as noted in the breakdown there, this is the first year that uh, it's not really beholden by the shackles of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Um, and, you know, the Golden Globes have kind of always had this uh, reputation for being a little bit of like the redheaded stepchildren or stepchild of the the awards. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where they're not taken as seriously. So the actors tend to, you know, go into the award ceremony, maybe having a few more drinks than they normally would be. And you can usually get a few laughs and, and kind of takeaways in that regard. But the other big thing it does is I do think it kind of uh, paints a picture for what to expect in the coming awards season and the Oscars. Oscars. And, um, you know, that being said, it is an opportunity for, you know, some of the um, shows and uh, movies that may be worthy of some recognition, but not an Oscar or an Emmy. This is where they may get some recognition. So uh, yeah, I just want to take an opportunity. Um, I, I noticed like Napoleon is one of the, uh, the listed here as being snubbed. I'm not all that surprised after having seen the movie. I kind of came away saying the same thing. I don't think it's going to garner much awards tension outside of the, the technical aspects. I'd be a little bit disappointed if Vanessa Kirby got no attention at all. Uh, but outside of that, I'm really um, happy to see uh, Emma Stone for poor things and the curse. Uh, I have not had an opportunity to see poor things yet. I wanted to see it this weekend, but it was only in San Francisco, not in the wider Bay area. So I have to wait a little bit to see that one. Uh, but the boy and the heron, I will probably talk about that a little bit more. I did get to see that this weekend. It uh, took the number one spot at the box office, but also got itself a golden, a golden globe, uh, nomination there. And then, uh, Fargo, uh, you know, I will sing the praises of Fargo all all day and all night, uh, really enjoying season five and uh, glad to see that so early on in the season, it's already getting so much attention for the uh, incredible talent that's on display there. And uh, um, outside of that, yeah, the curse, um, I'm kind of on the fence when it comes to the curse. I went into it really strong and I will say Emma Stone's performance is incredible, but I'm kind of like, you know, I've loved everything Nathan Fielder's doing uh, or has done rather, but this is like the first time where I'm like, He's, you know, he's good at the awkward comedy, but is that translating to scripted television? And uh, I don't know. So I'll be interested to, to see if it actually does, you know, bring home any awards and, and what the conversation at large here is. Yeah, the Golden Globes are at their best whenever they sort of tell the entertainment cultural story of the year. And to me, a lot of these nominations do that. You have Succession at the top of television, which mm. was the most talked about show of the year. Uh, and mm -hmm. it wasn't particularly close. And then you right. have... Um, Barbie and Oppenheimer at the top of the heap when it comes to film, which is definitely the two t most talked about films this year uh, and the cultural phenomenon that that was this summer. So uh, to me, that's the interesting trend here. Um, and I would expect all those projects to win 
a lot of the categories that they're nominated for. Yeah, Succession not only uh, was it the mo- one of the most talked about this year, but it also uh, is is they always tend to do this, uh, give a lot of awards to a victory lap last season, you know, um, and it was able to hold its audience, and I think even like compound its audience as it went forward. So that last season was was the most watched, but it's been a pretty popular show for every season it's been on, and I think gotten more and more popular, and it was all over every conversation. So I think it'll it'll definitely take a lot home. Um, yeah, and and like you said. A lot of these are just exactly what I would expect to be nominated. I know the weird thing with this uh, best cinematic and box office achievement that feels like a very broad and weird category. Like it said, that's one category, right? Best cinematic and box office achievement. That feels like it was like made to be like a Barbenheimer. Like, like, well, we can't let Barbie, Barbie and Oppenheimer win because they had a weird, uh, like weird niche thing happens so we need to create a category that's like just an achievement that's not saying it's the best movie like it's a very strange uh category choice i don't know what that means really i think it's just kind of yeah giving credit to someone that performed really well at the box office but they don't have a lot to say critically (laughs) right yeah, that's exactly it. We've had a lot of movies within recent years. I think um, Spider-Man No Way Home is a perfect example of didn't get any attention at like any of the award shows, despite being probably one of the most talked about movies that came out that year. The thing mm-hmm. that is really what quote-unquote kicked off the post-COVID movie scene wasn't getting any attention at the Oscars or the Golden Globes. Like, how can we not talk about it? There's been talk of, oh, should we get a people's choice category or something just to kind of represent those of us that, you know, aren't at the theaters all the time or aren't, you know, big into the art scene. But things like Barbie are going to be the most talked about in most social circles. How do we get them to get a great award? How do we get them, you know, talked about more? So I think it's it's broad, but it's a step in the right direction because I think there's so many times where the things that win the award is not the best movie of the year, but instead the best script or the best cinematography or like this weird combination that doesn't actually like work out. So it's good, but I think it could be continuing to get better, um, especially as we talk about the voting group becoming more diverse and, you know, becoming more uh, outside of the press association, how do we get more eyes on these things? How do we make the award shows, you know, mean more? Like you said, Jay Scotty, this has always been a little bit of a laughing stock to the Hollywood crowd. How do we get more people to come in and watch it, especially with TV being on its last legs? I don't even know where to stream this if I even attempt to watch it at all kind of thing this year. So I think they need to do something. And I hope this is a little bit more of that. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point you make there, Andrew. I think a lot of this is born out of like their desire to increase viewership for these award shows. So, yeah, that's the bottom line there. But um, with that in mind, I'm, I did want to mention that you know uh, the rollout for these nominations. As excited as I am for the nominations, it was done a little sloppily. Uh, we had Cedric the Entertainer and Wilder Valmarama <laughs> presenting these, and they had like the energy of uh, like a wet blanket going into this. So let's let's do better from here on out. <laughs> Do do better, Golden Globes. All right, well, uh, we got a lot more to come in our lightning round this week. We've got Godzilla, DC, Hunger Games, uh, Donald Glover, all kinds of crazy stuff to talk about, and two lightning round topics about Blade. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back after this break. 
Welcome back to Multiverse News. Before we get into our lightning round, we got we had our Spotify poll last week, and I will uh, concede that I was in the minority on my feelings, but I do feel vindicated that 33% of people thought that the Crunch Bar is a trash candy bar. <laughs> well, right on the opposite side of the fence, I feel vindicated that the the people spoke, the commoners, we came out of the woodworks to defend, you know, our milk chocolate and our crisp rice. That's all we need. So, you know, the Veruca salts and the acoustic gloops of the world, you know, this is a day for the uh, the Charlie Buckets and the Grandpa Joes. <laughs> I'll go with that. Like the Crunch Bar isn't every man, every man candy bar. Like sure, but I think that you're you're admitting my point. Nougat, you don't deserve nougat. Go home. <laughs> what do you What do you think of the Crunch Bar, Andrew? What are your philosophical thoughts on the Crunch Bar? <laughs> so I really like a Crunch Bar, but that's because also my favorite flavor of ice cream is vanilla. Like I like the classics in a lot of ways. Um, but I will say, I want to know how much of the 33% that agrees that it's trash is of the international audience, because my mm-hmm. fiance is Australian, and she thinks all American chocolate is garbage. She yes. does not like mm. anything we have to offer. So when you go on a comparison point and you get any international candy, I am also throwing Crunch Bar out the window at that point. But if we're just talking American, I'm okay with a Crunch Bar. <laughs> all right, All right. Very nuanced answer. Stop sitting on the fence, Andrew. About 10% of our <laughs> listeners are UK, 5% are Australia, so that checks out. Yeah. It could start adding up here. <laughs> starts adding up, starts adding up, and then there's just some contrarians like myself over here in America not appreciating this uh, American classic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're about to dive into a lightning round, uh, but if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash newscast. Uh, that's uh, where you can uh, sign up and get ad-free episodes of the show, um, and we'd love to have you there. Thank you to all of our patrons who are listening to this now. Um, thank you, thank you. Now the lightning round. Uh, w- Andrew, it's your first time here, so I will tell you the rules. Uh, I'm going to read a story. It's a, m- a short story. Shorter. Not a short story. Like It's not like going to be like <laughs> the old man in the sea or anything. It was the best of times. It was the, the worst of times. <laughs> It's going to be a shorter story, and uh, whoever claims it with their name uh, is, it gets the right to say their take on it, and then we'll just move on. Unless someone wants to use their one rebuttal for the entire lightning round, then you can uh, jump in with your rebuttal. You hear that, Andrew? You only get one rebuttal. Only one yeah. rebuttal. We're very strict around here. Very strict. <laughs> I'm going to save it until the end, like potions in a Pokemon game, and then realize I have n- no chance to use it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, this is a precious resource. Okay, I'll never use it. Got never it. use it. Yep. <laughs> See, the, the generational divide is showing because like Pokemon, I don't know what you're talking about, but if you go on Magic the Gathering, I would have understood, you know? <laughs> Got enough lands. <laughs> yeah, I didn't use all my lands. Uh, okay. The Wall Street Journal reported Angelina Jolie has officially signed up to reprise her role as Maleficent for a third film in the series. Scotty? 
I have not seen either of the Maleficent films, uh, but I will say I am interested in them. I just haven't had time for them. And if Disney is going to continue to do these live action remakes, I like the fact that this one has like a different bent to it. It kind of reminds me of the, you know, the Cruella film with Emma Stone. If we're going to, you know, revisit these classics, let's at least see it through a different lens. And, um, you know, if anything, I think these films look like they have some really cool special effects and action sequences. So, uh, yeah, let's check it out when it comes out. Sweet. Tom Blythe, the breakout star of The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, signed on to star in a film adaptation of Ernest Hemingway's World War I novel, A Farewell to Arms. The project will begin filming next year. Scotty, uh, I'll go two for two here. Don't tell Rachel Zegler that Tom Blythe is the breakout star here. I don't know if she's heard that, but um, you know this does speak to the little review I gave a couple of weeks ago. I do think he was definitely a standout. I'm kind of excited to see where he goes from here. And uh, A Farewell to Arms is one of my favorite novels. I remember reading that in high school growing up. It was uh, you know that one, and uh, we talked uh, a few weeks back about um, All Quiet on the Western Front. So for this one to get a, an adaptation, um, kind of in kind, I think is pretty exciting and uh yeah tom blythe i think the you know he's got the world open to him at this point so give him more work let's see what he's got Mm. warner brothers discovery signed a multi-year u.s output deal with studio a24 bring the entertainment company's slate of films exclusively to max for streaming after their theatrical runs Three for three, Scotty? I, I suppose so. I was a little hesitant. Oh, Andrew, 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 please, Andrew, by all means. I, 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 I distracted Scotty so you could get in there, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you. I was hesitating, and I don't know why. That's the whole point of the lightning round. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, I think this is great to have a home for A24. They were some of the first ones out of the writer strike, and just so much of what A24 produces is artful masterpieces. They've done everything from horror to just great, you know, round genre things with everything everywhere all at once. They just produce so much mm-hmm. good content. Um, but I have to call into question what Warner Brothers Discovery's entire business plan is because they are doing some wild things when it comes to streaming. Today, I think they announced that you can stream all DC movies on Tubi starting soon instead of on Max. Like they're doing all sorts of weird business acquisitions and moves. So I think this is a good one that they're making but i think it very much calls into question where their acquisitions are actually trying to lie if they're throwing their main properties out the window and acquiring other ones that they're not producing hmm that is weird and heard that cool peacock renewed the action comedy series twisted metal starring anthony mackie for a second season matt uh i haven't seen this uh but I heard a ton about it in the first season, and I have this weird thing. I have a kink for second seasons uh, where (laughs) (laughs) the first season, you know, it doesn't really interest me, but you you put a second season out there, it might just make me go uh, binge the whole thing. So I I will very likely check this out now that I know it's it's got legs, as it were, or wheels. It's got wheels. Um, and I'm uh, and, and, and anything with Anthony Mackie, I am down for. Uh, generally speaking, I just thought it looked bad, but then I kept hearing, you know, towards the last half of this first season, how good it was from a few friends, uh, particularly Dave C. Robertson from uh, the DC on Screen podcast. Um, he kept talking about how good it was, uh, and, and I was like, yeah, I need to check it out. But and then he said it, the whole season was great, and now that it's the second season, it feels like there's momentum behind it. So I'm I'm in. I'm going to check it out. 
According to Deadline, Sean Gunn will play the evil businessman Maxwell Lord in the new DC universe that is helmed by his brother, James Gunn. It is not yet clear if Sean Gunn will make an appearance in the upcoming Superman Legacy or if he will appear in different future DC projects. Jay, I mean, you got to love some good nepotism in Hollywood, right? I mean, come on now. <laughs> Zachary Levi, I don't know if you saw this today. He came out and uh, somebody asked him, because you know, he plays Shazam, and they were like, hey, Zach, uh, you think you might get recast in some role in James Gunn's universe at some point? Like, you might get the opportunity, like Sean Gunn, uh, who's getting to play this new character when he played an old character and uh, for James Gunn. You think you might be able to do that? And uh, he gave this very salty answer, like, well, I guess when your brother is the head of DC studios you get to play whoever you want or something mm. like that which is not a great look um mm. you know i like sean gunn um i've liked everything that he's in um i think we are starting to see the guardians cast assemble in the dc universe which is something we all always maybe expected on some level the dave batista casting is going to be any day now at some point oh, uh, yeah. in this new universe <laughs> right. but um but yeah i mean clearly these two like to work together so it's fine uh but it also throws a little bit of water i guess on the uh on the wonder woman connections since pedro pascal famously played maxwell lord in wonder woman 1984 and we all know that that's a messy bridge uh between the the old wonder woman connections to the new dc and all of that so uh so yeah interesting uh casting announcement and we'll see how it plays out but i'm definitely open to it uh, i'm not as salty as zachary levi i guess about it i am i'll use my rebuttal i am also not as salty as as uh, zachary levi but i don't really blame him i don't know like just like, he is on the same train that's being jerked around by dc and he's put tons of work into this shazam and shazam 2 and because of their change uh midstream his second movie did not get the chance to thrive like it would have if the dc universe had continued like he's probably salty about the dc universe just like people talk about uh you know Henry Cavill, particularly, because he was really whiplashed around. Um, but Zachary Levi also uh, you know, never even got to be in a crossover movie. You know what I mean? Like, he got... <laughs> he got... <laughs> headless version of Superman on his shoulder. Like, that is insulting. <laughs> it's really insulting. And those Shazam movie, I never saw the second one. Uh, you know, for the same reason a lot of DC fans didn't, because it felt like it was going nowhere. But I loved the first one, and I probably will still see it now that it's in uh, on streaming. I just haven't had a chance yet. Um, but I love the first one. I think it's one of the most uh, uh, fun, self-contained DC movies. A lot, a lot of fun. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, but I, so I kind of get it from Zachary Levi, and like the fact that. Sean Maxwell Lord can be a pretty big character and could be in a bunch of stuff. And it is weird that it's just his brother gets to do it. Cause he's his brother. <laughs> I like Sean Gunn. I don't have a big problem with him, but he's not a standout in anything he's in really. Like I, I, I like him. He's always likable, but he's not like someone as that is my go-to for anything. Maybe he'll prove me wrong as Maxwell Lord, but are you really trying to say the weasel wasn't a standout in the Suicide Squad? <laughs> <laughs> when he died 10 minutes into the movie or whatever? Just, well, <laughs> uh, you didn't stay for the post credit sequence. That's true. No, I got you. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> Look back at that first Guardians of the movie. Did anyone expect Kraglin to persist as long as he did? I didn't. 
No, seems no, like a one-off character true. in that yeah. first movie. So, uh, to your point, Matt, I think Maxwell Lord is a very similar character. I could totally see a scenario where he is used totally just to elevate Lex Luthor in a scene where he is like totally cuckolded by you know Lex Luthor. Or uh, I do think it's interesting again the fact that this is a Superman movie, but we're getting so much of the larger DC landscape and knowing that you know there are other businesses out there that Lex Luthor is going to be like interacting with. And you know uh, we've got you know Lex Corp out there. We've got Maxwell. Lord's company will we see you know Wayne Queen mm-hmm. consolidated who who knows oh, you know, yeah. the possibilities are there yeah yeah absolutely all right Netflix renewed the animated drama series Blue Eye Samurai for a second season Scotty uh, I've heard a lot of positive buzz about this series and the series looks cool I have you know seen a, a few trailers and stills I think the art style looks really great it looks like it has a very dark and captivating story and uh, a lot of people have been requesting that we cover it on animation deliberation I will be honest the only thing that's been holding me back is in the the glut of content we have is every time I go and click on that series I see that the episodes are you know an hour plus 45 minutes and it's uh, I, I definitely mm. want to check it out but it's a commitment so knowing that there's a second season to your point earlier there matt the the show has legs and there's you know knowing that this won't be a one-off uh it increases my likelihood to go and uh check it out absolutely amazon released the first teaser trailer for mr and mrs smith the reboot series of the 2005 film of the same name which starred brad pitt and angelina jolie the new series stars donald glover and maya erskine and will drop in its entirety on Prime on February 2nd. Jay, um, I thought this looked good. Um, Objectively, if I didn't know anything about Mr. and Mrs. Smith, um, I would see this and think, this looks very action-packed, it looks really interesting. But I also remember the time when the first Mr. and Mrs. Smith movie came out, which I liked, and I think at the time it was dragged into a very weird cultural conversation because uh, Brad Pitt left Jennifer Aniston for Angelina Jolie on the set of this movie. And there was all this like drama behind the scenes and chemistry on screen and all of that. And that really drove a lot of that movie. Now, I also recognize, though, as I'm saying the year 2005 out loud, I'm realizing that that is almost 20 years ago. So, you know, when you're looking at when you're looking at that in hindsight, you have to realize like it does make sense uh, for a property to be rebooted after 20 years. Um, I I hope in some ways it can recapture that in a way you're not going to recapture the cultural part of that because that was a unique thing that happened outside of the movie. But I think there is uh, a chemistry that has to exist between the two leads, which I didn't quite see in the trailer. It was just a trailer, but I I'm intrigued. Uh, I think it looks interesting. I love Donald Glover. Uh, I love everything that he's in, so um, I'm definitely open to it. And and I like that it's dropping in its entirety. I I like that I can binge it. I think that's probably the right move. Tiny butt. I just think it looks amazing. I I just really, really, really think it looks great. The trailer just really rocked my socks off. I was really in. Um, And I think the idea of maintaining relationship while dealing with the spy craft of it all, I always love that. I, I, I often joke on MCU cast that I love hitman romantic comedies and that's why like sort of like life or death mixed with trying to maintain a relationship is something I just really love. So I think this, this looks fun and Donald Glover. I'm just, I was, you had me at Donald Glover. <laughs> Speaking of romantic comedies. Uh, after a series of concerning reports about Marvel Studios' Blade film, Mahershala Ali addressed the state of the project. 
We're working on it. That's the best I could tell you, Ali said, speaking to Entertainment Weekly. I'm really encouraged with the direction of the project. I think we'll be back at it relatively soon. Matt, I feel like there's a bit of a of, of like couching here where he's like, we're working on it. I think we'll be back at it soon. Like, it, like they're not working on it. They're working on getting back to working on it. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's sort of, uh, yeah. They they. It sounds less uh, less sure than it has in the past, and it sounds less sure than his first statement. We're working on it. Seems to make make it want to sound or whatever. <laughs> um, so I'm nervous for Blade, and I'm nervous that Mahershala Ali will not last in that role. Cause it's been a long time of kind of production mishaps. So what was the, I don't even remember what the, what was the year that he came out with the hat on? Like, I don't know, like on stage or whatever. Like, was that pre COVID that that happened? It'd be like 2018. I want to say like <laughs> yeah, maybe like 2019. That, at this the feels like a lifetime yeah. ago. That is yeah. five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's absurd. I've aged, I've aged 30 years in these five years. And we've had one <laughs> voice cameo <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, one voice, only voice. Oh, goodness. Godzilla minus one, now at $14.36 million in the box office, is currently the highest grossing live action Japanese film in North America. This follows an opening weekend that marked the biggest stateside debut of a foreign film this year. Scotty. Oh, no. You know he's got to go, 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 Godzilla. <laughs> Had to do it. Uh, you know, this is just a really uh, big weekend for uh, foreign films in the United States, specifically Japanese films in the United States. I spoke last week about how much I thoroughly enjoyed Godzilla Minus One. Uh, it's a very heartfelt and poignant story. So to see that kind of film translating uh, just bodes really well for me. I, I, you know, I'm in that, in that, kind of cross-section where I, I want poignant stories alongside the spectacle. So to see that marriage uh, makes me excited for the future of other filmmakers being able to, to achieve that same balance. Awesome. Arcane Leon, the game developer behind 2021's Death Loop, announced its next project, a video game focused on the iconic Marvel vampire hunter Blade. Alongside confirming its next project, Arcane Leon showcased the first teaser trailer for the game. Bethesda called it a mature, single-player, third-person game set in the heart of Paris. Scotty. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here before. Okay, that one didn't work quite as well, but I wanted to see if I could go two for two with uh, you know, musical callbacks there. But uh, I wanted to speak to this one because Arcane and Arcane Lion or Leon, however you want to pronounce it there, um, they're one of my favorite developers working today. They mentioned Deathloop here, uh, which is an incredible game, but before that they were known for the Dishonored series, Dishonored and Dishonored 2. Uh, more recently, it's actually interesting because uh, their most recent foray was actually set in a vampiric setting a game called Redfall, which was an absolute disaster in terms of its launch. It was uh, very technically flawed. Uh, apparently, the story just wasn't quite there. And a lot of people are saying like Arcane Lion intentionally tanked this game because they did not want to create a live games as a service game. Uh, but the caveat to all of this, I will say, is uh, you know Arcane was part of the acquisition uh, with Bethesda for Microsoft. So I was a an Xbox loyalist for many years. I had you know the Xbox 360, I had the Xbox One, and I would often look at these PlayStation titles. I would look at the Spider-Man PlayStation, uh, you know, the 
Spider-Man on PlayStation, I would I saw the the trailer for the upcoming Logan game, and I, I like why can't I have that? So I really hope that this Blade game is not an Xbox exclusive. Um, if it is, I will be pretty enraged. But yeah, I gotta uh, we'll, get in we, here real quick to say that please. right now that yeah. is that is the that's what people are saying is that it is so which, you just stands, gotta, which stands to reason yeah, yeah so you got to yeah. brace yourself for that yeah yeah i'm, I'm prepared uh, will i will i pull a matthew carroll and buy another a console just to play a game i might mm-hmm. <laughs> i uh two games now two games batman <laughs> and spider-man uh, i even bought the uh the the 3d or the the vr headset because they had batman arkham vr Oh, you, did you play the Iron Man <laughs> what one? Is... Didn't they do an Iron Man one as well? <laughs> I, do, I did not play that one. No. Batman Arkham <laughs> VR be like a great way to just accidentally throw your fist through your TV. <laughs> oh, man. They they fully make you feel it. Like the Arkham VR, it starts with you like descending into the cave like you're Bruce Wayne and you like press a key on a piano or whatever and it like sends you through the process and it just puts the suit on you and that just makes you feel like, oh yeah, let's do this. I'm ready. <laughs> it's so good. You walk it's around all day and you're like, yeah, I'm Matt Carroll. You know, just talking <sighs> about it. <laughs> I really like, it, once I got in, once you go down that tunnel, like I just wanted to stand in the bat cave for an hour. Like I was just like, I was kind of like moving around. Like, sir, would you like things. to do anything else? No, this is cool. I'm just, you know, taking it in. <laughs> I really am bad, man. <laughs> Mr. Wayne, there's problems in the city. Quiet, Alfred. Hey, just, just give me a second. I gotta soak this in. <laughs> Apple and Paramount have had discussions on a proposal to bundle Apple TV Plus and Paramount Plus for a discounted price in an attempt to compete in the crowded streaming market. Jay, everybody's throwing Hail Marys out there. You know, everybody's like, how can I make you come to my streaming service? Because this market is so crowded. And if you ask me, what two streaming services will potentially have a discussion about bundling themselves together to pitch as a lower price? I would not have guessed Apple and Paramount, but I think it is intriguing. I think when I talk to people, I mean, I don't know how this conversation goes for you all, but when I talk to people about streaming, a lot of times a sentiment that I hear is, yeah, I have Netflix, I have Max, I have Hulu or whatever. I have some of the ones that were developed a while ago, but like Apple, like I hear they got good stuff, but I'm just not ready to jump in yet. And Paramount, like I I hear a couple things Mm -hmm. I'd like to watch on there, but it's just, I already have so many streaming services, you know, like I don't know if I can add another one. Like if I add another one, I have to take one away. So I think there probably is a market there of people who are like, they they're into streaming, but like they just sort of hit their limit, you know. Like they don't want to add another mm-hmm. one, and uh, the the attractive idea of being able to lower the price on both, like I think that is a good move. Like I think you you will attract a lot of those people who might kind of be sick of the Netflix price increases, you know, and might kind of be saying like, you know, maybe maybe uh, hop on over, and I've seen everything I want to see here. Maybe I could hop over and do something new on Apple and Paramount. So. Um, yeah, I see why they would do it. It makes business sense for sure. Tiny butt, because there are no rules. I, I wonder <laughs> if uh, Haley's not here. Uh, <laughs> oh, you wonder? No, she's not here. I can confirm that for you. <laughs> so Haley's away. The lightning round will play. Um, <laughs> she pops um, into the chat right now. She's like, all right, I've been listening and it's got to come see in you, here Matt. and shut this I down. I see you, Matt. <laughs> Roll the sleeves up. Yep. <laughs> but no, I'm really curious if they did market analysis and realize that they are two streaming services with the least crossover. Like, I wonder if they mm. did some analysis to see if they had a lot of 
commonalities between them. And they were like, you know, you got a lot of customers I don't have, and I've got a lot of customers you don't have. If we just did this trade, like maybe we bring them all into both. Um, because like you said, they're two of the ones that are sort of like the third or fourth one that people don't tend to get, you know, they're the, they're not bottom tier. I think they're putting out great content, but they are, uh, probably the le- lo- smaller sized, I would, I would assume based on previous yeah. things I've seen. Uh, and- I've got to chime in real quick too, just to say I think the the timing of this is uh, you know kind of appropriate because the the Showtime um, all the Showtime content has been folded into Paramount Plus as well. So Showtime yes. is now yeah, Paramount. So not not only is it just going to be the Paramount Plus stuff you may be familiar with, but it's the Showtime offerings as well. So you know your Yellow Jackets, uh, Dexter's not currently in production, but The Cursed and and they they do mm-hmm. have you know some some really great series over there. Really I think do. you also have to compete with the Disney Hulu full merger that's happening right now. Like Great everything's point. getting Great folded point. together. We were just talking about, you know, Max acquiring and decquiring things. Like they're all doing it. It's probably just some tax write-off time of the year that they're all announcing it now. Yeah. Mm. Nicholas Cage was recently quoted saying he only has three or four movies left. The famously prolific 59-year-old actor says he's eyeing a Hollywood endgame, quote, I've said what I've had to say with cinema. Andrew? Um, I'm sad to see this, but I'm happy for him. Uh, it feels like he really took a break with his career, like over COVID, reevaluated what he wanted to do, and then said, I'm going to come back to Hollywood just kicking. And in these past couple years has come out seeming like he is having almost the most fun in Hollywood. You had um, uh, Renfield come out this past year. He was just goofy Dracula the entire time was amazing. You had um, the unbearable weight of... Uh, what is it? Massive talent. Of massive, massive talent. talent. Thank you. Yeah, that movie was just like, what is going on? The number of memes that popped out of that with him and Pedro Pascal, just absolutely fantastic. And then just after COVID, Wally's Wonderland. He oh, took a movie where he has zero lines in it, and he specifically <laughs> fought the director to make sure he had zero lines. And he's the star. Doesn't say a word the entire time. Like he just came back to have a bunch of fun and has done a bunch of great movies because of that. So as much as I'm sad to see him go while having all this fun, I think it's good for him to acknowledge it's my time to retire. I'm going to do the last three, four things I want to truly do and then get out before I'm just old making bad movies. So it's a love and a hate, but I'm happy for him to hear that he's just going to keep having fun. I'm going to hop in on this one real quick, too, just to say uh, he may not be going away entirely. He talked about potentially making the transition to TV, uh, but it also kind of like highlighted to me like he's clearly never worked in tv before because if he thinks like going from movies to tv is going to be less work uh i I, oftentimes like being on a tv schedule actually ends up being more work unless he you know he wants to appear in guest guest role capacities which i could totally see he could finally appear in the national treasure tv show that they canceled but i'm sure they would bring back just for him (laughs) (laughs) the first critics to see marvel studios echo at a previous screening in the United Kingdom, are revealing their thoughts on what they saw on X. Andrew? I haven't seen much of what their thoughts are. I've seen little tidbits here and there. I just really think that Marvel needs to take all of this and make sure that it works. I think Echo is one of the more important shows that they have coming out in this calendar year. Um, Just the people that I've talked to that loved the character in Hawkeye, 
despite their opinions of that show, as well as like, this is the first Native American superhero that we're getting to see. I have some Native American family that like, this is important to me and to them. There's just so much that this character represents to people that I don't think they can afford to truly get this show wrong. I think they need to take it all. Hopefully the rewrites have been good. I don't think this should be just a backdoor pilot for Daredevil. This should be a true give Echo the, you know, credit that they deserve. As a comic reader, I picked up some Echo com- uh, comics recently and they're a wonderful character. Um, so I think despite what all of the conceptions have been so far, Marvel really needs to make sure they land this, especially going into a year with fewer movies. Um, that said, the comments that I've seen have been somewhat good, so I'm I'm personally very hopeful for this show. Same. Lionsgate announced that Saw 11 will debut in theaters on September 27th, 2024. Matt, I also have a kink for 11s. <laughs> Once the movie gets to the 11th. I was going to say, really watch out Millie Bobby Brown. Protect Millie Bobby Brown. Oh, God. Oh, no. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I'm sorry. It was just like you said it. Was... <laughs> I'll get us back on track. Can you name another movie series that has gotten to 11? Like, wh- when have you experienced oh, this man. previously? I mean, the MCU I mean, outside of like to. Star Wars and stuff. I mean, Star that's, Trek, that's Star not Wars, even, but that's MCU. not a, yeah. but like, that's not even the 11. Land but Before Time. Yeah. <laughs> Land Before Time has, <laughs> I think go. they have 17 or something to Land Before yeah. Times. Oh, I really I recently watched a YouTube video of a guy breaking down, like, he sat and watched all 17 Land Before Times just to, like, make a terrible YouTube video where he's just talking about how depressing it was. Like, <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. It's, it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun. Uh, the Fast franchise will be joining the fray before too long here. We had, you it's know, true. Fast oh, X. That's true. So we'll have that's an ele- 11th entry before too long. Yeah. Aren't there already 10 Fast X? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at it now. And they now. had Hobbs they, and Shaw, they too. They have 11 with the Hobbs oh, and Shaw. Oh, that's right. I forgot about 11. Hobbs and Shaw. So there it, you go. So, right yeah. On. That. That that counts. I did um, do that. On I'm, lo- I'm on Wikipedia. I'm on Wikipedia right now. They're begging me for money while I'm trying to read this. They're like, <laughs> they're, they're like, please give me a dollar. Like I'm just trying to to live. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth uh, has eleven. Uh, mm, um, mm. A bunch. Of Halloween has eleven. I didn't realize that, mm, but they have eleven. Okay. Um, and then we mentioned Star Wars, Harry Potter. Um, you know, past Wait, that, I mean, it's a bunch Harry of like Potter stuff has eleven. Yeah. Um, because well, you have to count all the Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, my mind went to the original movies being a trilogy, and I don't know why. Yeah. Like my mind, I know that's not true. I know there's eight of them, but like my mind went to um, like, well, there's the original trilogy, and there's three. Fa- Wait, no, there's not. There's eight of the original. Um, Alien versus Predator, and I have to mention this one because it has fourteen movies. The Airbud franchise. Holy! So, <laughs> oh, how could we forget Airbud? There how is Airbud. I'm going to read them all. I'm just going to do it. Airbud, <laughs> Airbud, Air Golden so Retriever, Airbud, World Pup, Airbud, Seventh <laughs> Inning Fetch, Airbud Spikes oh. Back, which I'm guessing is volleyball. Air Buddies. Yes. Now here's where it goes off the rails. Air Buddies, Snow Buddies, Space Buddies, Santa Buddies, The Search yep. for Santa, Paul's two Christmas ones, Spooky Buddies. I'm guessing it's Halloween. Treasure mm-hmm. Buddies, Pirates, maybe? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Then we got the Santa Paws 2, the Santa Pups. And then <laughs> and then most <laughs> most recently, 10 years ago, was Super Buddies, which I'm guessing is superheroes, probably, if I had to guess. So there's but. a Santa Buddies. 
There's a lot of Christmas. Yeah, there's oh, there's yes. a there's oh. a San, Santa Buddies, Search for Santa Pauls, and then Santa Pauls two. That's three of the Santa fourteen. Pa- so yeah, well three yeah three Christmas movies. Disney Plus. Why have we not reboot Air Bud yet? This is what I <laughs> want to come back for. You will get it's me coming, on that series. It's, it's coming, sometimes the sure. canon gets so complicated that you really need a reboot, and it feels like the Air Bud franchise is reaching that point where it's about that time. <laughs> <laughs> we just we need just the bud. We need the, you know the the bud before there was air bud. I'm up to 18, 18 there are, there are 18 Amityville, Amityville horror uh projects. 18. Mm. It's pretty crazy. Wow. We need the like air bud like a different look, you know, like the Halloween franchise and the uh you want a horror air bud? <laughs> Sp- spooky buddies. Spooky buddies, yes. <laughs> You know how they, you take you take a horror movie and you like flip it on its head and like you're from the perspective of the villain or whatever. So like right. you should make it from the perspective of the people getting beat by Air Bud. <laughs> 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 like, make it, you know, it's like I've trained for this and I got court. beat That's by a dog. Legal? Yeah, Come on. hey, there's no rule that says a dog can't play basketball. That's right. Like, yeah. I was That's just exactly here to right. watch my son play basketball. You know, and you ruined my whole Saturday because you put your dog in the game. Yeah, my son's little league career is over because of a dog. <laughs> Andrew, I appreciate you knowing your Airbud canon and being able to quote it so quickly. Oh yes, Andrew Bud. Uh, this okay. is what happens. <laughs> this is what happens when Haley's not here. Yeah. Like, when you asked me to be on the episode, you were like, "Ah, some animation stuff." He's going to talk about it. No, we're going Airbud deep on this one. Now, <laughs> no one was prepared. <laughs> Okay, I wanted to say balls deep, but like basketballs. Like I was trying to like <laughs> try to make that joke without it sounding dirty, but you refer- yeah, it didn't work though. So I just said I was going to, which gives me enough rhetorical distance that I could say it. <laughs> Warner Brothers treated us to a third trailer for Dune Part Two, showcasing epic, large-scale battle sequences, complemented by intense character interactions. Scotty. Yeah, this was a absolutely great trailer. I think it uh, has shown us the most of the world and the story without too many spoilers, thankfully. And uh, I think we got the most spoken dialogue we've gotten from a lot of our new characters, including uh, Florence Pugh's Princess Irulan, uh, you know, Christopher Walken's The Emperor, Austin Butler as Fade Rautha. But outside of that, the thing that really stuck out to me is the relationship between Paul and Shani, uh, from what I recall in the book, it seems like there's going to be actually a little bit more nuance in this uh, this adaptation and kind of exploring, you know, uh, Paul's loyalty to the Atreides versus his loyalty to the Fremen. So to kind of see that come to a, a head and, and to see all this action, you know, on display, I think it uh, speaks to everything D- Denis Villeneuve's been saying about this film, that it's just going to be bigger and more epic and more action-packed, and uh, I could not be more excited for it when it comes March 1st. I kind of hope this is the last trailer, but I suspect we'll probably get one more. So when I um, went back to find that story to read the next story, I scanned down looking for Air Bud. Like, where was the Air Bud story? <laughs> like, why oh, did we get on Air was, Bud? There was no Air no, Bud that story. Was, that was like jazz. That was all improv. <laughs> <laughs> it was saw to exactly Airbud is how we made that transition so the saw patrol wow. lives on <laughs> saw patrol lives on oh man that was that was deep that was a deep cut there scotty saw patrol puppies and saw that's that's some sort of spiritual connection there okay 
This is now the ABCU, the Airbud Cinematic Universe. <laughs> when they reboot it, I'll make that show. It'll happen. Ufotable released a trailer for Demon Slayer Season 4, the Hashira Training Arc, alongside a worldwide tour for the theatrical release of the premiere in over 140 countries. Andrew? feel like I had to jump on this one because this is the one that I surprised Matt with in the script and we had to talk about how to pronounce you photable here um, <laughs> <laughs> which it's none of us even know if that's none of us even know if that's correct that's the best part because it's a Japanese word but uh, yeah I had to throw this in here because uh, over the weekend Demon Slayer or Ufotable rather came out and announced that we're getting more Demon Slayer this spring it's been a year since the last season and this is just Oh, it's my favorite show. We got a glimpse of my favorite flashy character coming back around this season. Uzui's back on the scene. So it's absolutely amazing. And then it's just, um, it's really awesome news because they're doing another theatrical release of the hour long premiere of the show, which is like, I don't know how Western TV shows haven't started doing this where they say, Hey, we're going to premiere a show. Let's throw it in theaters. Whereas Udifotable's just been making money after money after money to produce the next season basically off of just the theatrical releases mm. that they keep doing so it's a great idea i'm glad the last one worked and i hope it's going to be just as good um this time around because i'm already planning on getting my tickets like you cannot keep me away from the theaters for this it is it's so good they have done a few but i wonder if it has something to do with it being a niche a more niche show because they did it with game of thrones i believe uh, they did it with Picard mm. a couple of episodes, and the biggest and best one, they did it for the Inhumans. Oh, they had yes. the IMAX screening <laughs> of the Inhumans that you didn't want to miss. And I did go to the IMAX screening of Inhumans. <laughs> <laughs> they did it for Ahsoka, too. Um, it was oh, very yeah? limited. It was not across the nation. It was very limited. But yeah, they did a theatrical premiere uh, in some places of uh, whichever episode Anakin showed up. I don't remember which one it was, but mm -hmm. it was for that episode. It was, so it was three, in the middle. It wasn't to kick it off. But Episode four. Yeah. Oh, it was four? Dang. You got me. I, it was three or four. One of the two. <laughs> I, I knew if I said it with enough confidence. No oh, yeah. yeah. You say it with <laughs> your chest. You had me. <laughs> say it with your chest. Uh, all right, guys. Well, uh, we'll that, that's the show. That's the news. Uh, thank you guys for being here. Andrew, it was wonderful to have you here on thank your first you. appearance on Multiverse News. Uh, tell the people where they, else they can find you. Well, just like Jay Scotty, you can find me over on the Animation Deliberation Podcast. We talk all things action animations and cartoons where we take it seriously, but not too seriously. You're going to hear just as much of jokes and laughing going on over there. I can promise you that. We're deep in the depths of anime. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen is going on, and it's it's terrifying and sad, and I emotionally want a break at this point. Um, so maybe I'm going to go watch Airbud after this to really give myself <laughs> a break. Um, but that's definitely the best place that you could find me uh, outside of this podcast is just on another Strand of Panda podcast. Sweet. And well, uh, we really appreciate coming out again. It was a pleasure having you. And uh, Jay Scotty, where else can they find you? <laughs> well, you know, I think... <laughs> Andrew did a fine job of plugging animation deliberation. I just will, you know, <laughs> I will piggyback off of that to say we have what if season two just around the corner. So I know, uh, Matt, you and I have talked about doing some collaboration with the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And uh, 
beyond that, I just want to, you know, Haley Hobbs is not here, but she week in and week out, even when she's not here, she helps us a lot with this show. So please go check out source pages, uh, where they cover all of the source material for the shows and, and, uh, movies that we love source pages. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Good man. Good man. Using your, uh, using your plug to help your fellow panelists here on multiverse news. Uh, and, uh, Jay Sisson, where can they find you? Yeah, I'm over at Commute the Podcast, where you can learn three interesting things in about 20 minutes. Uh, me and my co-host Dave come at you weekly on Monday mornings, so come check out uh, Commute the Podcast. Sweet. And uh, I'm over on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, uh, which we got a lot going on. We just covered Avengers. I just dropped it. Um, it's our uh, Infinity Saga rewatch that we're working on, and we're going to get to do, this week, Iron Man 3, just in time for Christmas. Um, so I'm excited to do that and drop it in the feed uh, close to Christmas. And we're going to do every episode of What If every day as they drop. So that's going to be nine episodes in a row uh, daily. So join us for that conversation. We'll probably go live to do it. Um, so join us on twitch.tv slash panda TV, uh, which is also where you can find this show every Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday night at 730 uh, Central. <laughs> Whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, time zones. <laughs> 7.30 Central, Tuesday nights, we're on here. We never mentioned it on the show, so we probably should. Also, you mentioned uh, about halfway through the show that we do have a Patreon. Um, we're yeah. trying to put together some little things over there, like some random little giveaways here and there, uh, little opportunities for you to suggest things for the show here and there. So, um, you know, we're trying to make it worth your while. So if you uh, if you want to support us, that's great. But also um, trying to make it to where you're you're getting something out of that uh, $4 a month. So uh, if, you, if you have the means and you're interested in doing that, um, you know, um, you can always support us by giving us a five-star review somewhere, anywhere, um, places you haven't before. That always helps. Um, but uh, if you want to, if you want to take it to that other level and hit the Patreon, um, just check out patreon.com slash multiverse newscast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for being with us. Peace. You stay classy multiverse. <laughs>